So we, uh, we are reading through the Sermon on the Mount, or, or talking through it, and it's been a couple of weeks off as we had our missions conference, we had, we had some Easter-themed sermons, but we're back in the Sermon on the Mount this morning. We're going to be in Matthew 6, 19 to 24. This is, of course, this huge block of teaching from the Lord Jesus, and we get to see God's heart in this very practical teaching. It says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. This is the trustworthy word of the Lord for us this morning. So it doesn't take 17 Bible commentaries to kind of see the meaning of this text. But here's a little, here's a little trick. This text gets more complicated the older you get and the more stuff you acquire and the more people there in your household. When I, was, when I first came to Christ, when I was 18, um, reading a passage like this, I was like, this is radical. This is awesome. I, I'm embracing this, you know. I'm not going to store up treasures for myself on earth. I'm going to store up treasures in heaven. I'm never going to own my own house. I'm, I'm not even going to get married. I'm going to just follow God and not have all these responsibilities, you know, all these kids and stuff. I just need to focus on God 100%. You know, the Apostle Paul, he, he didn't get married, or we think maybe he was, was married, but then maybe his wife passed away. But he said, you know, it's great to be like I am. I don't have wife and kids at home. I, I don't have to manage a household. All I have to do is go around and share the gospel, and that's what I do. And I love it. That was Paul's perspective, and I read that as a young man, 18 years old, like, yes, this is awesome. But I was reminded this week uh, by my wife and by some friends, uh, but particularly by Jackie, she, she said, you're doing something in the next month that you swore you'd never do when we first, when we first started like, dating and you were just talking so radical for Jesus. She goes, you're moving into a cul-de-sac. And I... <laughs> I knew exactly what she was talking about. I'm like, when she said, when she kind of had that tone of voice, like, you're doing, like, I'm like, I know what she's going to say. She's going to talk about the cul-de-sac. So I'm always like, I'm never going to be one of those yuppies in the cul-de-sac that aren't really serious about Jesus. You know, that's the youth kind of way of thinking, right? But here I am purchasing our second home. Uh, not, not second home. We, we don't have two homes, but, you know, selling one home and buying another one. <laughs> and the moth and the rust. And we have uh, past people taking care of the moth and the rust. Well, it is funny. You think, you think as you get older, this passage becomes harder to apply and interpret. What does it really mean? It can't mean what it says. Or does it? It just gets harder to apply as you, as you go through life. Uh, but this is, this is quite a passage uh, for, for us who are not living, you know, for the most part in the kind of day-to-day lifestyle that many people in the world live in. You know, in, in, our, in our culture, we mostly all have roofs over our heads. We have food. Um, we have all the things that we need. We don't have to worry about many, many things that people a long time ago had to worry about or, or other people in other parts of the world have to worry about to this day. 
although it's not everyone, for most of us, uh, we, have, um, we have everything that we need and then some. But to us this morning, I think God wants us to hear this passage with fresh ears. Um, he wants us to look at this and just be radical for a minute with Jesus. And to really think through the grid of our current life and what we're doing about our priorities. A friend of mine was talking this week about what does it mean to be successful as, as a parent? And he was talking about different, different uh, people in his life and, and the ways they viewed success and, and their kids being successful. And his conclusion was like, you know, I think if my kids have the right priorities and values, that's a success. It's not college, it's not a degree, it's not the right job or the right amount of money. Priorities and character are what count. And I agreed with them, certainly. It'd be nice if they moved out of the basement too someday. Um, but you know what I mean. So this is the challenge just from Jesus uh, to, to think radically about the kingdom. And this is really all about our priorities. Where are we really storing up our treasure in this world? On earth or in heaven? Where are our best efforts pointed in our lives? To earthly comfort, to activities, to pleasures of this world, or to honoring our Father in heaven? You know, where's our Where's our priority? As it says in this passage, where are your eyes and vision focused? Your eyes are the lamp of the body. Where are your eyes focused? Where are the headlights of your life shining on? And what's shining into them? On earthly things? Or on things that are passing away? Where do we really want to be one year from now in our spiritual life with God? Five years from now? Ten years? Fifteen years? What kind of person do we want to become? What kind of priorities will we set? It's like the scripture is saying to us, you know, come on, be honest. Who are you really serving with your life? With your time, your talents, your finances? Is it just yourself and your immediate household family? Or are you also serving God and Jesus' body of the church? We're going to come back to, the, to these thoughts um, at the end of the sermon today. But this is just a real, a real great um, Words of Christ, as often is the case, just confront us right in our neighborhood or in our cul-de-sac, depending on where you live. And, you know, we know, we know that this is an issue of the heart. We know that Jesus is not anti-possession. I mean, Jesus himself, you know, had no, no real home, no place to lay his head. But Jesus benefited from the generosity of believers with houses and money and jobs Jesus benefited from people that lived in cul-de-sacs. Jesus benefited from the life savings and the, and the skilled workmanship and the finances of many successful people in the church. And if it weren't for those people who had their homes, their jobs, their families, the certain lifestyle, Jesus would have been, honestly, prohibited from doing a lot of the ministry that he enjoyed, along with Paul in the early church. Possessions are not the problem. The problem is the heart. And the heart is deceitful above all things. And so we have to really, really be careful. It's like this is saying, be honest. When you look at your life, your time, your talent, your finances, and it talks about God and money in this one, you know, where is your, where is your treasure really being stored in your life? As most of you know by now, I'm going on a pastoral sabbatical from June 1st to August 31st, three full months and so I'm preaching only seven more times between now and when I head out for the sabbatical. 
this, uh, this practice of, of having a Sabbath for, for the senior pastor of the church is now in our bylaws of the church, that every five years the senior pastor takes a three-month sabbatical. And I'm very thankful for the opportunity, having been here with, for five years with Jackie. So this time is going to be spent, you know, very carefully, and I'm planning it to, to, uh, to, as a way for me and my family to truly rest in Sabbath, to, for myself to study some theological things about God, there, there's so many things in the last five years I had to skip by because I didn't have time to look into them. And so I have this, these, like, I want to shore up my foundation theologically. Um, so I, I need to do that. Uh, I need to become grounded in some things. I need to become grounded in. And I need to draw near uh, to my family and to God and, and, and our personal health uh, in every way. And, and ultimately, it's to receive God's vision for the next leg of the journey at New Life Fellowship. That's a lot what the sabbatical is about. So I'm taking this sabbatical certainly uh, for God, for me, and I know that it's going to yield spiritual rewards because I know that it's what God's called us to. But during this time, I'm not going to be here at all on Sunday mornings, and neither is Jackie or the kids. It's, um, it's really actually very hard for me and for us to consider that because we are not in a place where we're like, oh gosh, you know, we're so burned out. No, it's not like that. We love we love this church. We love the ministry. We need the rest, but we love this church. And in over 17 years, I have never been absent from our church for, for that long. It's going to be incredibly difficult. But we know this is the, the call of God and the elders and the admin board and everyone has supported us so much. Um, of course, for those who are visiting, we have, uh, we have sermons every week because believe it or not, churches can survive without their senior pastors. It's not all about me. It's not all about me at all. It's about the body of Christ. And we have all, all preachers and worship and things lined up for us to uh, continue, for you to continue in, in worship while we're gone. But this is not going to be easy. It's going to, but it's going to be something that's good because it's God's will. But during the time that I am away and during the time that Jackie and I are away, you know, we have talked about the vision we have for New Life Fellowship Church. And I think it's important that we take a moment just to touch base on, on the vision that we, that we have. And our vision is that each and every one of you would, in truth, personally, and as a family, solidify your church membership while we're away. Now, in, a, in an age of... Uh, of you know, organizations and bylaws and yacht clubs, uh, membership means one thing to the world. And of course, we do have lists of our official members in the church for legal reasons and you know, for our, our meetings and things like this. But I'm not talking about membership like in a club. I'm talking about church membership like the body uh, is talked about in the Bible. And that means being a member of a body. Like this, this is a member of my body, this finger. You know, This ear is a member of my body. Our dream is that you would solidify personally and as a family your church membership while we are away, while we are in this time of transitioning back to the new world that we live in post-COVID. As people are getting vaccinated, we're able to come together as a body. And our dream is that when we come to see, in the next eight weeks that we're still here, the next two months, and then when we come back in September, that this church membership would be through the roof. Not a list of names in alphabetical order to be signed at meetings, but people 
finding and doing the ministry God has called them to in the body. Because it's certainly, it is very uh, lame, that's the theological term, for church to be all about one person or just a couple people. The church is about the glory of Christ and the body of Jesus. And the church is about, this is the amazing thing, it's a dream of God that we be a tapestry of unique individuals who come together, use our gifts and talents, and through all these people coming together as the body, God's glory is revealed through them. A lot of times we ask for God's glory, we ask for his Holy Spirit to come, and those things are good and important, and he does. But if you really want to see the glory of God, let the church membership be solidified. Let, them, let the members of the body come together in a way that makes sense and works, and you will see the glory of the Lord revealed in that fellowship. So that's our vision. That whether you are a, a toenail, a follicle of hair, a nose, an ear, whether you are a foot or a hand or a ligament, the unseen parts of the body, or the skin that holds everything into the church and holds everyone together, that you would solidify your church membership in the next two months and then the three months while we are away. It's a great opportunity because when, uh, during COVID, of course, Things became heavy on myself and a couple other people, and it had to be that way because we were all trying to be safe. But now it's time for us to, to come back out, to emerge, and to be the body. I want to read to you from 1 Corinthians 12. It's got to be one of the coolest pictures we have. It, helps you, it really helps you not to take this idea of the body of Christ so lightly. Um, 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to start in verse 4. We're going to go all the way to the end of the chapter. This is Paul talking to the Corinthian church. And again, and he's talking to a church that is like our church. Just a bunch of sinners saved by grace who've encountered God. And now they're like, what do we do now? What do we do now? Paul says, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. Spirit is a capital S because it's, it's Jesus' Spirit he's talking about. There's, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one in the body, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. Through the Spirit of Christ, there will be people in every church that have a spirit of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. And to another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one Spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, 
it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, there would be the, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Listen to that. The Spirit, he has placed in every body the parts just as he said he would. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. I I was thinking this week that it says the parts that are unpresentable, you know, the the Corinthian church was, was a rough church. They had some bad sin problems. I think he's talking about church members covering the sins of another person in grace so that person isn't put to shame, which is what Jesus does for us on the cross. He covers us with his grace so we are not put to shame. So think about that. People that are not quite presentable as far as like, geez, they're kind of, you know, making a, making a spectacle of themselves. We cover for them and we cover them because we love them. We want them to be honored with everyone else. But our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together. Again, there's God putting the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles and gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues, Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gift. This is God's trustworthy word for us in the context of a church fellowship just like this one. And God says, now you are the body of Christ. Each one of you is part of it. And God has placed you in the church for a reason. He has you here for a reason. In fact, there's such a refrain talking about, and I never noticed this quite so poignantly as I did this week, talking about Jesus puts the body together as he sees fit, talking about the Spirit puts us together, and God, you know, the, the Trinitarian God, every part of God's energy and effort is providing the right people with the right gifts, the right callings, so that the church can, when, when everyone is engaged, when everyone has solidified their membership, and come into the, the right kind of joint that, where they should be working, everything works the way it should work. So during the time that we're away, you know, Jackie and I have this vision for you that, that we want to share, that each of you would become uh, solidified in your church membership, whether you're a ligament, a hand, a foot, an eye, a knee, whatever part God's calling you to play, and you see that um, it's talking figuratively about the spiritual gifts they are given, right? If everyone had gifts of healing, that would not be good. Uh, it would be good if everyone had all the different gifts. The, the body cannot all be an eye. I know, you know how important the unseen parts of the body are. And so I really try hard to, 
to look at what God is doing in the church and to see the things that happen uh, behind the scenes that no one really knows about and, uh, and, to, and to lift those things up because without them we, we would fail. Um, when, I, when I was um, 17, I was, I was lifting, I was squatting, and I, I, I uh, tore my meniscus in my right knee. And uh, it was a time when they usually didn't repair those things, and so they, they just took it out of my knee. Awesome. And they're like, well, you'll have arthritis when you're 30. That's my, my hope for life. And, um, and eventually you'll need to have your knee replaced. I know how important unseen parts of the body are. You know? I would give, I wouldn't give my left arm for my meniscus. <laughs> That'd be counterproductive. But I would give a lot to have my meniscus in my right knee. It has not been good for my running career. It has not been good for anything. Um, the parts of the body are so important, and sometimes the parts that we don't see are, are, are more important than, you, than anyone knows. But the most important thing is not how prominent a part of the body is, whether it's looking into someone's eyes or, you know, see the unseen part of your knee, the meniscus. It doesn't matter what part you are. It matters that you are a part, that you are uh, and that we are equally honored for all that we bring to the table, each one of us. No matter what your function is, no matter what your gift, your calling is, that we'd be knit together into a body. And Jesus is doing this. Jesus is the one that does it by his spirit. I, I actually have such a faith in me, this is a, like something that I actually believe very strongly, that God has provided everything that we need in our body for the church to thrive and be healthy and to do everything it's supposed to do. And I think that the way that churches work, you know, sometimes you, you have like a CEO who organizes the church and with, with earthly, worldly wisdom and makes it kind of work well. But I think when, when things are going the way they're supposed to go in a spiritual environment like this, yes, there's leadership, there's, there's, there's people helping to encourage that, but much more, it's, it's observing where the parts are that G Jesus has already put here. And then when you bring those together, you see what's missing. You pray for those things. And Jesus brings into the body what's, what's lacking. It's, it's his passion. God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit does this. So I believe we have everything here that we need. And, uh, and, I believe, and so the vision is that you would solidify your church membership while we're gone. It doesn't happen overnight. It happens with prayer. It happens with, with seeking after the Lord. It happens with evaluating your priorities, your time, your talents, your treasure, and saying, where am I storing my, my treasure? Where's my storehouse? I think we have to be honest and say that during the pandemic, it's become very easy for the body of Christ all across the world to go backward, not forward, in terms of being an organic body as the scripture defines it in this passage. And it was also, in our, in our current cultural climate, very difficult before the pandemic came for, for, to, to encourage and for the church to come together as a body. It's become common in churches for some people to serve and other people to watch, whether in person or from home. You know, you can watch from, from the building, you can watch from your house, but it's been, become even more prevalent than it was pre-pandemic. But we must never forget that God's will is for us as a church to all fit together and work together every day of every week, every person. Now, God's vision from his word is in 1 Peter 2.9, which is something that God really was on, giving on the hearts of the elders in the beginning of the pandemic, that we would be a kingdom of priests to God. 
Now, by, by necessity, during the worst parts of the pandemic, it was just myself and Rob broadcasting to you uh, from, from, you know, the central station here at the church, where you would worship with your household at home, and we would do the best we could to come together. We talked about priesthood in terms of serving communion to one another in your household when we had communion. But some, there, was, there was a limited amount that we could do because out of necessity, in terms of keeping everyone safe and doing our part as a part of society and honoring our, our government mandates, you know, we, we did this for a while. And I will say, you know, well done. Everyone did a good job engaging. So that was like for about four months we did that. When summer came last year, after four months of solo church, or me and Rob church, I was so, Rob is really cool. Um, I was so thankful to get to know Rob and become better friends with him during that time. Um, But I was so thankful when like July came to see the body of Christ kick into gear in a really cool way. And it was so stark because we had been solo for so long. And many people came and helped us set up tents and a sound system outside week in and week out. And we began to hear once again from other gifted preachers in the church Uh, Greg and Jay shared outside uh, along with me. Music was led by other people. Uh, Julie started leading on the the regular, which I so have appreciated very much, as as I know many of you have. Um, These these have been positive steps. And on top of these positive steps of worship on the weekends, uh, you guys also heeded my call last summer in August, I believe it was, right before we went on our family vacation I gave a call that, you know, we need to form small groups and to meet regularly in our homes for prayer, for fellowship, for using our spiritual gifts in the body. And that, everyone did that. There, you guys really responded and you, you took that on. We said, we don't know what's going to happen with the pandemic. We might all have to go back into, into quarantine again. Maybe we'll have limited people, numbers of people that can get together. So get into a small group and do that. And the church did that. Now on this day, we find ourselves the week after Easter, 2021, and it just seems like the perfect time to begin reflecting. Um, as the restrictions begin to be lessened, as life becomes more normal for us as a church, as we begin to thrive as a body once again, we need to ask this question, what part am I in the body of Christ at New Life Fellowship? And how will I function in this part that God's given me cooperatively with the other members of the body of Christ? This is a question I'm going to ask you in various ways over the next seven weeks of preaching that I have here. No matter what scripture we're going through, I believe this is the the overarching will of God. And especially, you know, on my heart in particular in this season, wisdom tells me this is the time. This is the time. What part are you in the body of Christ at New Life Fellowship? What part did you play before the pandemic? What part is God asking you to play now? What is your function in this body? How will you work cooperatively with the other members of the body in order to glorify God as he brings his church together? God's ultimate goal for us in this earthly life that we're living before we we pass into God's glory, whenever that might be, God's goal for us is not that there would be special individuals in a congregation who become great But his goal is for his power and his glory to be made manifest as the body joins together and each part does its work, every supporting ligament in Jesus' name. We show God to be great when we recognize that greatness doesn't come with individuals' accomplishments or giftings, but when the body comes together in Jesus' name. 
then, as Ephesians 4 says, we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him, the whole body, joined together and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Now, God's goal isn't for any of us to become great, but for all of us as the total body of Christ at New Life Fellowship to come together so that God can be exalted among us and through us collectively because it's really about his glory. It's not about, that was a great sermon, Pastor Nathan. That was a great worship set. It's about, this is a great church because this is the bride of Christ and God's glory is shining through it like a stained glass window, refracting and hitting the walls and the floor and, uh, like in ways that we could never do on our own, ever. That's the miracle. So yes, we should keep praying, God, send your spirit. God, send your glory. But we have to come together because that's where the glory really is found. It's time. So if you've been participating in the live broadcast uh, of New Life from Home, and there, and there really is no reason for you to, to not come to church anymore except you love your pajamas, I'd, I, and, and if you've pretty much um, opened yourself up to everything else that you did before except for church, you know, now is the time to come back, to come back to the church, to find your place in the body of Christ, to play your part among the other members of the church. And that's what we're going to be doing over the next couple months, making space for this. But this is something that ultimately every individual and every household needs to come to terms with on their own. What part of the body are we and how do we play it? If you have been participating from home and are, are not able to come for safety reasons because you're uncomfortable and you're really nervous and you've, you've closed down the rest of your life as well and you're, you're waiting for the vaccination, I encourage you to stay home. Stay home and glorify Jesus in your living room until the time when um, it's safe and you're comfortable coming back. This is not a pressure message saying everyone needs to come back so I can feel good because it's for fun to preach to more people. So it's not what this is about. This is about the body of Christ functioning and coming together. And we need every part that calls this church home because if we don't have you here, then we're missing part of the glory of the church. And again, if, if God, God has special grace for everyone who's waiting, who's vulnerable, who's, who's waiting for the vaccine to come and those kinds of things, um, please, emotionally, physically, whatever safety you need to do, we encourage you to do it. But if you're able to, if you've opened up your life in every way, except for church and a couple other things, come back. It's time. And, uh, and we miss you. I sincerely believe, after reading 1 Corinthians 12, that God has given our church all the body parts that we need. And God has placed every part in the body just as he sees fit. And that God's put this body together. Again, I love, the, I love these verses. Now you are the body of Christ. Each one of you is part of it. And God has placed you in the church. Every gift, from apostles, prophets, teachers, to people with a gift of help, that's a real spiritual gift, exhortation, encouragement, evangelism. Some of the trouble that we have as a church is honestly because I'm doing things I'm not gifted to do, because someone else is gifted to do it, and maybe I've gotten in your way. So tell me. Let's get me out of the way. If you have a, a pen or an iPhone or a Android phone or whatever it might be, 
write down these five scripture passages. Just, just the references. This is for you to look at later. The first one is Romans 12, verses 6 to 8. There are seven spiritual gifts in this passage. The second list is 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10. There are nine gifts in this passage. Later in, in, in 1 Corinthians 12, 28 to 30, there's eight spiritual gifts. In Ephesians 4, 11, there's five spiritual gifts. And also some gifts listed in 1 Peter 4. There is no exhaustive list where Paul says, here is the 40 spiritual gifts in the church. They're all here for your, for your reference. No, these lists have redundancies in them. They, they repeat some of the same gifts. Some of these lists have gifts that are very unique to that list and not found in other parts of the Bible. The point is that Jesus knows what every church needs in order to fulfill the mission that God has for that church. He places the members of the body into the church as he sees fit, and he gives us all the gifts that we need. And so you need to, to read these passages and be praying to God, what is, my, what is my part? What do I do? And God's going to help you with that. God's going to help you find your gift and your calling um, through, through stepping out in faith as you solidify your membership in the body of Christ in the coming weeks. Um, I, 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 have no, I don't have a scriptural basis for this except the fact that there's no exhaustive list of gifts in the Bible. But my, my wisdom, my belief is that there are more spiritual gifts than are shared in the Bible. Um, I think there are people that have a special gift to do various things. Actually, it is, a, it is a theological premise because in the building of the temple, God gifted by his Holy Spirit metal workers and woodworkers to do specific building projects in the temple. So this is a principle of Scripture that Bezalel and Oholiab were given gifts to do these artistic things by the Holy Spirit, it says. Um, so God gives churches what they need at a time when they need them. And it's, it's really a, glor a glorious thing to see when uh, that church comes together and the gifts are revealed in the church. So when I come back to church in September, you know, I, want to, I want to hear, I want to see that you have discerned your, uh, your place in the church membership, that you know what, what part of the body that you are and you're looking to, to do it, that we can hit the ground running together in the coming days and see what God does by his spirit as we come together in Christ. I do believe to, to a certain level, uh, at a certain level, until we all engage as the body of Christ, there's not really a lot of reason to believe that we should have high expectations about what we can do or be because it's such a fundamental thing to come together as the body. But as we faithfully obey scripture and, and form the body of Christ in New Life Fellowship, as we pray for unity, Pray, pray for unity. That's a big, that's why Paul's always talking about, pray, guard the unity you've been given in Christ. Once we do that, once we find our place, we plug in, then we can stand back and see the glory of the Lord manifested through his radiant bride, the church, you and me, the beautiful and functional, practically efficient body of Christ. It's made to do something and to glorify Jesus. Here's what I'm not telling you this morning. I'm not telling you that you need to have it all together now or that you have, need to have everything figured out and that you, what's wrong with you? You're this old, you should have figured this out by now. That's not what I'm telling you at all. I'm not telling you that someone uh, is going to judge you or I will judge you if you don't come back to church in person or if you don't, you know, tell me what your spiritual gift is at a certain time. That's not the case. I deeply, 
and myself and the elders deeply respect each person in the church and trust every person as a steward of what God's given them to honor God with whatever they do. Uh, so there's none of that going on. This is not a negative and judgmental sermon in any way. It's simply that I believe as your pastor that now, at this time, is God's timing for us to evaluate our priorities, to see where being a member of the body of Christ falls on our priority list. And if we are not functioning, it's time to look at why we are not functioning in the body. Why are we spectating and not participating? So that in September and throughout the summer, we can come together as a church in a strong way. Every day when we come to church, I want us to be asking questions like these. What is the ministry I will give to God today? Who is the person I will pray for or encourage today as I come to church? What is the gift God has given me and what part is he calling me to play in the body of Christ? Who can I serve as we come together as the church today as I'm serving God? What can I pray for? What does God want me to pray for today in worship? How much money should I be giving? How many volunteer hours of ministry should I set aside for God each week? Who do we need to invite over for dinner and build a relationship with in the body? Who is God calling me to invest in and disciple at this time? We, we saw a beautiful uh, bird of prey that Elias pointed out to me in the sky, just circling around. And I learned some amazing things about, like hawks, when we, we went to Vermont this past summer and saw and learned about birds of prey. And, I, and I, I don't remember what it was, but just what they can see is like, it's like a dime and, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy. And maybe Elias knows. How, how far can birds, of, can hawks see, Elias, do you know? Okay. Well, we used to know, but it's really far. They circle up there, and then they like see the tiniest movement or hear the most subtle thing, and they just dive down and attack. And it's how God's made them. It's absolutely remarkable and incredible. It's like nothing. Their eyes are like binoculars. And I think that God wants us to come to worship service like that. But P-R-A-Y, bird of prey. That's really corny. I just, pastors love that, yeah. I want you to be a bird of prayer. But I, want, I, I think like, Come to, come to church, like, in your, in your car, like, circling in your mind, like, who do I need to look at? What do I need to look out for? What's God doing? Who can I serve? Who can I pray for? Come with a mindset of, of giving. Um, there will be times when we're all sitting like this and, and listening to teaching and engaging, but um, I think it would be much better if we had more, more of that mindset. Like, let's go and minister to somebody. Let's make this happen. And, of course, a microcosm of our life. But, but it's all about priorities. You know, what priority does church membership place um, fall in your life? What's your priority? Where are you storing up your treasures? On earth or in heaven? There is no moth or rust in heaven. There are no thieves in heaven. Everything is kept for us until the day by Jesus Christ. Jesus said in Matthew 20, 28, the Son of Man did not come to serve, to be served, but to serve, give his life as a ransom for many. My friend Ed Kowaleski over coffee this week said one of the most impactful things that he heard when he first came to Christ back in the 90s was he was at a marriage conference and the, 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 the preacher said, I will never let my wife outserve me. Which is a really cool mindset. How, like, it's not a competitive mindset. It's not a keeping track mindset. It's just I'm going to, I'm going to serve. 
Not to, I'm, I'm here to, to serve, not be served. How do we serve? How do we come to church and worship in this mindset? In John 13, 12 to 17, it says that Jesus showed his disciples the full extent of his love. It says, when Jesus had finished washing their feet, he washed their feet. He put on his clothes and returned to his place, saying, Do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. So Jesus set us an example, taking on the posture of a slave, of a servant, washing the animal dung and, and dirt from his disciples' feet um, in a, a simple linen garment in all humility. And he was their Lord and Master. He said, now you know that this is how following me looks. You're blessed if you do it. You're not blessed if you say, well, that was Jesus and this is me. You're blessed if you do just what I did. Just like it says in Philippians 2, to imitate Christ's humility. Now, it's, it's serving time. It's time for the body to come together. And this brings us to our first pass of the scripture that we read right when we started worship today. From Matthew 6, 19 to 24. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. Store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. If your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Priorities, big questions, easy to understand, hard to apply. Where are you really storing up your treasures at this time, on earth or in heaven? Has this changed since we've gone through the pandemic? Has it gotten better or has it gotten worse? Where is your vision focused? On God or on earthly things that are passing away? Where do you want to be spiritually in one year, in five years, ten years? What kind of person do you want to be like? Do you want to be like Jesus? It's like this pastor saying, come on, be honest. Who are you really serving with your life, with your time, your talents, your treasures? Just yourself and your family. Are you, all, are you just you and you and yourself and your immediate family? Or are you also serving God and his earthly body? the church. God wants us to take a good, good long look inward, solidify our membership in the church, in any church, whatever church you call home, to solidify your membership. If you're watching and you are not from New Life Fellowship Church and you're watching this instead of being at your church, go to your church. Go on their live stream and, and be a member of that church because they're missing something because you're not there. But you can still like the video. God wants you to be like crazy with your treasures in heaven cash. Like a, like a dad during Y2K, you know. 
storing up thousands of cans of crummy food and water in your basement because the world's going to end. He wants you to store up your treasures in heaven like that. He wants you to hoard treasures. <laughs> that, you can, that word doesn't even work. He wants you to store your treasure in heaven, not hoard your treasures on earth. And God wants the body of Christ to come together, every part, including the bones and the ligaments, the unseen things, the things that hold the whole thing, thing up. And God wants to show his glory to us through this. But we must discern, we must pray, we must play our part. So I am praying for you as the worship team comes. I am praying for you over the next two months. I'll be praying for you over the three months of our sabbatical as we are absent from this body um, for the purpose of, of, of glorifying Christ and ultimately building up this body and our family. When we are absent from this body, I am praying that you will solidify your membership in the body of Christ, that you will find your gift, that you will read those passages, that you will pray, that we will together find what God's calling you to do so that the radiant glory of the Lord can be revealed on the earth through his body, the church, his glorious bride.